like that, you can't please God. Right? Now, I know people don't like that. See, I always tell people that we live in a country, you're allowed to do lots of things. But not everything that you choose to do is something that pleases God. And one of the biggest issues that people have today is when somebody says something like that. Well, who are you to tell me that what I'm doing is pleasing to God? I'm like, listen, I'm nobody to tell you. I can just tell you what the scriptures say. There's a lot of activities that are legal in this country and available for you to participate in. However, as Pastor Daniel will remind you in today's message, these activities may not follow God's desires. As a believer, follower of Jesus, you're held to a higher standard, a set of morals and behaviors that honor your Savior and benefit you as well. These standards found in the Bible aren't forced on you by God. It's your choice to follow them. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 8 as he begins his message, Spiritual Living. You know, one of the things that I adore so much about the Crossroads family, our family of faith, is simply the fact that everybody is so diverse here. You know, it's pretty well known that churches have a tendency to get pretty homogenized, where everyone's kind of the same. You know, there's a a saying that pastors have is that every church is designed for a certain type of a person. You know, and so whether it's the music choice or the way the decorations go or the people who are there. See, Crossroads is kind of, uh, we always like to say that our niche is everybody. Because we really believe that God brings people from all different backgrounds and puts us together into a family of faith. I mean, each one of us has a testimony of some sort. A testimony of this is where I've been and this is what God has done in my life. Now, I realize here at Crossroads that there's a number of us, even right now, who you're hearing this and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in him. But there is a journey that is going on. If we were to go around and share the testimony of our journeys, all of our stories are different. Some of us here, we grew up in a home where mom and dad loved the Lord. Were they perfect? No. But they loved Jesus and they did the best they could and they instilled faith in Jesus into your life. There's others of us who had amazing parents, but they didn't know the Lord. They were loving folks, but they didn't know the Lord, right? And they did the best that they could. In a long life's way, all sorts of things happened and then Jesus invaded our lives, There's others of us, we grew up in completely broken homes, in the worst possible situations. Many of us here have come to Jesus after exploring all sorts of different spiritual paths. Some of us came through drug addiction and alcohol addiction, alternative lifestyles. See, all of us have a different journey. I was talking to someone just the other day. They were raised in a style of religion that was works-based, that you would be accepted by God if you do all these things that you're supposed to do. 
And I said, well, and then what happened? They said, well, you know, yeah, I came to, someone invited me to Crossroads. And before I know it, I was hearing about God's grace. And I realized that there was nothing that I could do to work my way into God's good graces. And I was freed by grace. See, what's beautiful is that our testimony reminds us that our pasts don't have to be our destiny. Our testimony reminds us that where we've been does not have to be where we're going. When I think about my own life. I think about the journey that God has brought me on to come here. I, I thought of this the other day. It was just kind of a random thought. I remember the very first time I actually met somebody who was a Christian. And I'll tell you, it's a funny story. So growing up, I was in high school, and we loved to go to see music. Obviously, I'm a musician, so if there was a chance to see music, man, I was there. And one of my buddies, Danny Luzano, said, hey, you want to go to a, you want to go to a festival? music festival. I'm like, yeah, I want to go to a festival. Where? Are these? He's like, man, it's in the middle of the forest out in like Pennsylvania. And I'm like, there's going to be music. He's like, yeah, let's go. It's going to be great. So we drive on out there. And what I didn't realize is that the music festival he was bringing us to was the creation festival, which is a Christian festival, right? So I remember we get the now, now us going to a music festival growing up the way that I grew up, mean that like, you're there for a big party, you know? So I remember like, we stopped by the liquor store. This is what we were in high school. We had fake IDs, talked by the liquor store. We had all the party things for a music festival as we understood it. And I remember we showed on up, we paid the tuition, we had our, we had our, uh, our tents and everything and we drive on in. And before I know, we look on this hill and there's these three crosses on a hillside. So I'm like, man, let's, let's put our tents by the three crosses. Yeah. You know, cause this was like what you do, you know? So like we, we set up our tents at, at the three crosses and we're like, this is going to be super fun. And then my other buddy showed up and what I didn't realize when they showed up, they had a hatchback and they'd stolen all the little balls out of the, the play area at the Ronald McDonald's at McDonald's. So he's got a whole trunk. This is my friends, you know, a whole trunk full of these little balls, you know? And we're like, what are we going to do with all those balls? He's like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. So then we decided, no, what we're going to do, we're going to go through this whole festival. We're going to have a party under the three crosses, right? So we're giving out these balls. Hey, come, we're having a party tonight under the three crosses. I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. So sure enough, we're giving them out. And that night, all of a sudden, there's all these people show up. But the thing is, is we're the only ones who are partying, right? Everyone else, like... It's like your youth group, like Crossroads Youth Group was there, but they weren't, but they could have been, you know? And so we're just there, and, and, and before I know it, I hear this guy who's playing the guitar, right? So I go over to this guy who's playing guitar, and I grab like a little bongo, because I'm at a music festival, so of course, you know, I brought some bongos, you know? So I'm there, I start playing with this guy, and this guy's playing, and he's playing like worship music, right? And I remember at some point, I'm like, man, this is a Christian festival. What are we doing here? But I remember this guy, all of a sudden, like we stopped playing a song, and he's like, so... You know, is this your campsite? I'm like, yeah, like, you know, and he's like, I heard that there are people, you know, doing drugs here. And I'm like, oh, I I don't know anything about that, you know? And then what was beautiful is this guy started talking to me about where my soul was at. Now, what's amazing is, is I, I mean, I couldn't pick that guy. I I barely even saw his face. It's in the middle of the, the night and we're just jamming, playing music. But I remember that when I came to know Jesus later, I was super grateful for that guy. Because I didn't know what I was doing. And he was willing to talk to me right where I was. I mean, he didn't stop me from playing along with him. He invited me into that. Now, I bring that up because for all of us, as you think of your testimony, God places people in your life. Right? And 
on that journey, when God inserts someone into your life, that person has the ability to change the trajectory of our lives, right? And really for each one of us, if you were to look back on the story of the journey you've been on, there's been people that God has placed in your life. But I also want to remind you that God wants each one of us to be those people in other people's lives. That your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, the people who you see, those are people that God has placed in your path if you're willing to be that signpost in the road for them. I bring all this up because a lot of things go on to bring a person to Jesus. But there is one singular action that happens that makes a person a Christian. And that has nothing to do with any of us. Now, you hear what I just said there? That God uses people as signposts, as people who change the direction of someone's journey. But the single moment that someone comes to Christ, that actually has nothing to do with any of us. And I want to explain to you today the secret sauce of life which is God's gift of his Holy Spirit. So open up in your Bibles, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. We're going to be taking verses 8 to 11. So Romans chapter 8, verses 8 to 11. I want you to open up your Bible. If you brought one with you today to Crossroads, I'm super proud of you for doing that. I know it is like a super countercultural thing to take your Bible out of your house. You know, so I'm proud of you for doing it. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, I know many of you, you got smartphones. And so we believe that God's word on your smartphone is just as holy as if it's in a book. So, so you can type in your favorite browser window. If you didn't even have like a Bible app on your smartphone, your browser window has it because everything else is on the internet as well. So you type in Romans 8 and Paul's letter to the Romans. If you're new to the Bible, I know many, many of you are. Uh, it's easy to find Paul's letter to the Romans because the Bible is divided into two parts. The first First two-thirds of the Bible we call the Old Testament or everything before the life of Jesus. That takes you from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi, the prophet. And then you have the New Testament. And the New Testament has, it begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels or the telling of the story of Jesus. Then you have the book that's called the Acts of the Apostles and then Paul's letters to which Romans is the very first one there. So Romans chapter 8 verses, we're going to take verses 8 to 11. So just four short verses, but there is a lot in here. So it says this, Romans 8, 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, 
We pick up in verse 8. And if you were with us in our last message, we ended on verse 8. Where it says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now the idea of the flesh, it doesn't mean flesh as in skin. When we hear the word flesh, we think of skin. But flesh in the Bible speaks of life that is lived in rebellion against God. And really what we learned is that for each one of us, the driving principle of our life is either the flesh, us living in rebellion against God, or the spirit where God's purposes and plans are what drive our life. And then if whatever is the driving principle of your life, the spirit or the flesh, then you set your mind on that thing. So what is happening as the driving principle now completely consumes your inner life? If you're living a life of rebellion against God, you start to figure out, how do I do it? How do I cover it up if I don't want to get caught? How do I celebrate what I'm doing? Because I want to do that, and I don't care what anybody says. And you have parades and all these things that says, this is why I am who I am, and who are you to tell me I'm not that? See, all of that is an internal reality that now you've set your mind on this thing that is the driving principle of your life. And we made the case in the last message that you can't be kind of in the spirit and you can't be kind of in the flesh it's black or white you're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit and we landed on this so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God so for the person who chooses to live their life the overriding principle being saying not God's will but my will not what God wants but what I want My way is the way. It's my life. I do what I want. You can do that, but you have to realize when you're in the flesh like that, you can't please God. Right? Now, I know people don't like that. See, I always tell people that we live in a country, you're allowed to do lots of things. But not everything that you choose to do is something that pleases God. And one of the biggest issues that people have today is when somebody says something like that. Well, who are you to tell me that what I'm doing is pleasing to God. I'm like, listen, I'm nobody to tell you. I can just tell you what the scriptures say. I can tell you what the word of God says. See, here's the thing. You're allowed to do lots of things, but just because you do it doesn't mean it's pleasing to God. If you're in the flesh, the Bible says unequivocally, it's not pleasing to God. In the same way, if my little Annabelle, who I love so much. Now, I love little Annabelle. But if Annabelle decides that she is going to paint her room, That will not be pleasing to death. Now, you know that Annabelle, she's an artist. You know, Annabelle tried on an outfit the other day and she told Lynn, I like this outfit. It shows my true personality. (laughs) I love this little face. She's so fun. Like, is she just allowed to paint her room? Can you imagine what Annabelle would paint her room? If you want to know, you can invite her to your house and give her paints. Some modern art going on. See, listen, when you're in the flesh, you can't please your father. You have to have God's purposes in mind. But then it says, now you know I love this, verse 8 or verse 9, but, you see that in verse 9? I want everyone to circle the word but in verse 9. What do we call this at Crossroads? The glorious buts of the Bible. That's what we call it. This is one of my favorite buts in the Bible. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, 
He is not his. Now I'll say it to you this way. God is pleased to have the spirit dwell in you. God is pleased to have the spirit dwell in you. And when I told you when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus at that moment, it has nothing to do with any of us. Because when the moment a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, the spirit of God sovereignly dwells within a person. The spirit of God takes up residence within the life of a person. See, and really what the apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, look, if you're in the flesh, you can't please God. But he's saying, but you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, here's the simple question. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? It's a simple question, isn't it? How does the spirit of God come to dwell in a person? It's simply this, that a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus. In his perfectly lived life, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection. When that happens, the spirit of God takes up residence in the life of a person. And then Paul goes on to say, he says, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So if a person does not have the spirit of Christ dwelling within them, then you are not Christ's. So the Spirit of God is absolutely essential, primary, necessary for the believer. Without it, you're not a believer. If a person has put their faith and trust in Jesus, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit gives a person a totally different life. The life of God. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And I want to encourage you. I'm only going to read verses 13 and 14, but Ephesians chapter 1 is so powerful because really what we're going to see in this passage is what we, the church is commonly called the doctrine of the Trinity. One God revealing himself to humanity as Father, Son, and Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14 lays it out. First we see the Father's work, then we see the Son's work, and verses 13 and 14, which we're going to read right now, shows the Spirit's work. But listen to what it says. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Do you hear what it says? That when you believe in Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, then, according to the Apostle Paul, he says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the idea of the seal in that culture, the seal was the seal of the signet ring. When someone bought something, like this was long before, you know, now you go into a store and you walk out with it, by and large, right? But imagine, uh, for those of you who are old, you remember when you put something on layaway? Like before you had a credit card, right? Like if you wanted to buy something, you put some money down, you put some money down, you put some money down. When you pay the whole thing off, then you get the thing, right? 
And they weren't allowed to sell it until if you paid it off within the time. Back in, the, in that day when you were to buy some merchandise, you would have a signet ring. And they would almost put almost like, those of you who are artistic when you write letters, you'll like put a little lighter to a crayon um, to close the letter. You put that little, your little, your little, uh, your little letter there. Any of you artistic like that? But you know what I mean? That's the signet ring. The idea is that it's the affixing of, our, of your seal on something that I own this. So it says that when you believe in the Lord and you believe in the gospel of your salvation, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That word guarantee, it literally means in the Greek language, the engagement ring. Now, for those of you who are married, do you remember the, when you got engaged? For those of you who aren't married, but maybe want to be married, don't you, aren't you looking forward? Aren't, aren't you hoping that your soon to be spouse does a good job at that moment? I always tell when I hear that someone got engaged, I'm like, I always look at the, at the bride and I'm like, did he do a good job? I always say that, you know, and every once in a while you get that look like, I'm like, I'll pray for you. Don't worry. <laughs> Expectations ruined. At least he's like putting the bar low, you know? I remember when Lynn and I got engaged. It was so awesome. It was so cool. We got engaged in Bidwell Park in Chico, California. It was so fun. It was like we, 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 were, we were picnicking there. I had this big old box with a ring in my pocket. Right? I remember it took her about 40 minutes to say yes because she was saying, no way, no way. It felt like 900 years. <laughs> Finally, then I'm like, Yes. Really? Are you saying yes? And she's like, oh, yes, Daniel. I'm like, God. It was, she dragged it out for a long time. God bless her. I love her, you know. I thought she was going to say no. Finally, she's like, oh, this is exciting. No. You know, I wouldn't have blamed her either. But you think about what an engagement ring means. It's not just your way of supporting the diamond industry. When someone is engaged, every time you look down at that engagement ring, what does it mean? It means at a day in the future... The person who gave me that ring is going to make me their spouse. That's what it means. It's a promise. And in the exact same way, the Spirit of God is God's promise to us that one day soon Jesus is going to come back and he's going to receive us to himself. And for the person who the Spirit of God dwells within... Every single moment of your life, you are reminded that God is going to come and redeem his purchased possession, his church. How powerful is that? See, the Spirit of God is God's way of reminding us of how this is all going to come to pass. Now, I want you to notice something here because... People get confused about the Trinity. I was just talking to someone recently. They said, well, you know, Daniel, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. I'm like, you're right. But the concept of the Trinity is completely through your Bible on every page. You don't believe me. Look at these verses here and look at the way the spirit is described in these verses, right? First, we have verse nine, the spirit. Next, you have the spirit of God. Also in verse nine, the Spirit of Christ. Verse 11, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. And then the end of verse 11, His Spirit. 
Pastor Daniel shared in his message today that the Holy Spirit in your life is also a symbol of the promise Jesus has made. When you accept Jesus' grace after laying your sins at the foot of the cross, you're given the promise of eternal life dwelling in heaven with your Savior. The Holy Spirit is a reminder that this promise still exists. He'll help you to live day to day in the reality of who Jesus wants you to be. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel discusses the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Though the Bible doesn't contain the word Trinity, the concept is seen throughout its pages. Pastor Daniel will explain this sometimes confusing concept of who God is while pointing out the role each part has in your life once you become a follower of Christ. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Secret Sauce. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.